Hello everyone, Callie Hannah here with a quick disclaimer from the future, 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 future. <laughs> the episode you are about to hear was recorded prior to my public coming out as a transgender woman. As such, you will hear myself and others refer to me by my dead name and he, him pronouns, and that is not how I want to be referred to now. I, well, I go by Callie and I use she, her pronouns. Uh, the rest of the episode has been left as is for the purposes of historical preservation, but uh, just know that it is not accurate to my current uh, gender identity. Thank you, and enjoy the show. The hipster and the nerd. Yes, hipster and the nerd. The nerd. One went to the genius. The other is quite absurd. Exactly which is which. Off the fence is which. Yes, good sir. The hipster and the nerd. 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 Hipster and the nerd. Created by Steven Spielberg? No. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hipster and the Nerd, the podcast where we discuss movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, and all manner of geek and pop culture to see what we can make of it. Uh, specifically today, we are in the Rocketship Roulette segment. We're back, which is the segment where we discuss random movies chosen via an RNG and weird space opera bullshit happens. Anyways, oh my God, Chris, I am Chris Hanna by the IRS. With me, of Space course, Ghost is my co-host, Brian Brecker. <laughs> How are you doing today, Brian, as we're being uh, chased I'm, by the I'm Space good. Ghost as IRS? You know, <laughs> as you know, the ghost inside this flying manta ray in space <laughs> is, uh, he didn't pay his ghost taxes, so now we're being hunted by the ghost IRS. Fucking Jeff Bezos, motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, just pay your fucking ghost just taxes, alright? Pay your all right? ghost taxes. Again, I what if I need my Sudoku? You ruined your fucking Sudoku, <laughs> You man. can still yeah. have your Sudoku after you pay your taxes. Do you know how much I make in ghost social security? Not enough. <laughs> Not enough, Chris. Well, maybe you should take that up with like your... Maybe you should take in that up space. with your... Maybe you should take that up with your local Space Ghost congressman, and not me. Hello. This is the Manta Ray. We have a call incoming on our vid screen. Oh, put it right. through, Manta Ray. <laughs> Alright, we'll put it up on the vid screen. Hello. I am Jiplo. The IRS agent, and I will hunt you across the galaxy. Okay. Until I get my space ghost taxes. Don't lie, Jiblo. They don't pay you enough to care. They do. They do, you see. When you are in the ghost business, you make lots of money from repeat customers because they can never actually get away from the taxes. The IRS is a service, not a business. Well, maybe where you're from, but not in the ghost place. The IRS stands for Internal Revenue Service. Anyways, today we're going to be talking about two movies. 
Yes. Because yes, as we all know, the Fleppy and Anteater demons uh, implanted a chip in my head that forced me to watch uh, bad movies or random movies. And uh, Chris, today we're going to be talking about two movies, Scream and the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yep. So which one do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about Scream because I feel like that's going to be a shorter conversation. <laughs> So Scream is the iconic 90s slasher from director Wes Craven, who, of course, directed Nightmare on Elm Street, Last mm-hmm. House on the Left, what? and many other horror classics. Very legend, legendary director. May he rest in peace. Rest in um, peace, Wes Craven. So this movie, it opens with, um, you know, the classic... You know the the classic idea of the the slasher. You know it opens with the with the girl in the house and she's alone in the house. But there's a twist because the guy that calls her is asking her about scary movies because this yeah. movie is meta and it's about our it's about horror fans and mass media fans relationship to the horror franchise. I also and how absolutely boring and cliched it had become. I also like how the woman, uh, the this woman Casey who is receiving the call is, you know, even though spoilers, you know, she does ultimately get killed. She's actually smart. Like she is making actually smart decisions. (laughs) Because Wes Craven with this film, I think was really trying to subvert the entire slasher genre and in a way satirize it at the same time, which going off on a tangent is why scary movie makes no fucking sense as a film. I haven't haven't seen scary movie myself, but like the premise of scary, like, correct me if I'm wrong. But the yeah. premise of Scary Movie is that it is a parody of Scream, correct? It's a parody of Scream, and I know what you did last summer. Okay, but like... Mostly Scream. Scream. is a parody of horror... That's like doing a parody of Spaceballs. Right. It doesn't work. <laughs> you see, that's the thing, is that the movie is already a meta-comedy on the horror genre, so if you try and parody it, what Scary Movie basically did was just redo all of the jokes in Scream, <laughs> but less funny... <laughs> Like, they made Dewey go from a lovable idiot to someone that's mentally disabled, and that's supposed to be the joke. They Funny. made, like, five of those. Yes, they did. Oh, I mean, to be fair, they did eventually. We now are in a world where five screams exist, so... Yes. Well, anyways, beyond the scary movie movies sucking, yeah. uh, high school student Casey Becker is home alone making popcorn when she receives a flirty phone call from an unknown person during in which she discusses horror films. What's your favorite scary movie? What's your favorite scary movie? Hers is Halloween, and uh, the caller's is Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, yeah. Good, good picks. Good picks. Good picks. Uh, and uh, which is funny because Nightmare on Elm Street was directed by Wes Craven. Wes Craven. There is Nightmare on Elm Street references in this film. Like at one point yeah. in the school, one of the janitors is dressed with the red and green. Yeah, I was sweater. I was actually gonna ask, was that actually Robert England? I think it might have actually been Robert England. Because I was gonna say that if it was Robert England, that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, and then there's other like weird meta jokes in here, like the they say their favorite horror director is is uh, uh Wes Carpenter. Wes Carpenter, Wes Carpenter, which is a mashup of Wes Craven and John Carpenter. And if that was real, that would be the best horror director of the 1980s. And uh, I just love the idea of a Wes Carpenter. I mean, but anyway. throw, I mean, you throw Spielberg into that fusion, that's just the best filmmaker of the 80s, period. <laughs> yes. So the caller turns sadistic and threatens her life. And he's like, there's this really great moment where he's like, I want to know who I'm looking at. And then she's like, what? And she says, I want to know who I'm talking to. He's like, that's not what you said. Yeah. Which, establishes a running theme in this movie which is people gaslighting women 
Yeah, it happens a lot. More as we get on into the plot. So uh, he then reveals that her boyfriend Steve Orth is bound in guy down her patio and demands she answers questions about horror films. She he wants to play a game, just Man, not in the, the jigsaw puppet way. This is the worst. Tri- this this is this is the worst trivia game ever. Like, <laughs> and I, I love this because uh, he's like, "What's who's the killer in Halloween?" She's like, "Michael Myers," and then he's like, "Who's the killer in Friday Thirteenth?" She's like, "Jason, it's Jason." He's I like, saw the "No." Movie. Funny in God, the first times movie, it was, it was Jason, his mother. Jason. Then you would know that in the first movie, it was Mrs. Voorhees was the original killer. Jason didn't show up until the sequel. And I, you know what would have been the cherry on top of that? Is be like, he also didn't get, didn't get his iconic hockey mask until part three. But no one actually remembers that because all the modern yes. packaging has Jason on the cover. It really bothers me, you know? I just... <laughs> Another thing is um, uh, a, a connection between Friday Thirteenth and Wes Craven is that the director of Friday Thirteenth, Sean S. Cunningham, was a producer of Last House on the Left, yes. which was directed by Wes, Wes Craven. Craven. Yes. So after Casey answers the question about Friday Thirteenth incorrectly, Steve is murdered in front of her in this really gruesome way, and then Casey is then stabbed and murdered by a man wearing a black robe and ghost mask, and her parents find her disemboweled corpse hanging from a tree. And I really like the the scene where they're coming home, and it's just like, it's just a very terrifying scenario. I, I really enjoy yeah. it a lot. It's, it's, it's blood-curdling, good popcorn fun. Um, murder. Someone was fun. just murdered. Fun! <laughs> so after the murder, the news media descend, including Gail Weathers, Gail an Weathers. ambulance-chasing piece of shit Gail, who actually Gail, ends up yeah. having a heart of gold. Yeah, played by played by Courtney Cox in the middle of the... of the Like, this was the height of the Friends craze, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Um. Yeah, and uh, Sydney Prescott struggles with the first anniversary of her mother's murder, and news reporter Gail Weathers, who Sydney dislikes, arrives. She basically has this theory that the person that she pointed at to say oh that's the guy that killed my mother wasn't actually the killer yeah and she's writing a whole book about this which is why they're they have this tension between them yes and i'd remember also that for later yeah i'd also like to point out remember that for later is that um before they go to the high school there's a scene where sydney's boyfriend uh billy climbs in through the window and has this conversation with her about the exorcist yes um, and he was and i'm thinking Wait, the exorcist reminded you of your girlfriend? Yes, That's yes, yes. Weird. Remember that for later. Because he says, he says, the movie had all the good stuff uh, cut out, and lately it feels like our relationship is cut for television. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just like, why would you make a reference like that? That seems odd. Remember because that everyone for later. in this movie has horror films living in their head rent free, and honestly. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, so anyways, well, Gail was responsible for spreading rumors and conspiracy theories about Maureen's death, insinuating that the imprisoned Cotton Weary, who had been tried and convicted of her murder, was not responsible for the assault and killing. And this is when we get introduced to our favorite character, Stu, played by Matthew, Matthew Lillard, Lillard, a.k.a. Like Shaggy. Sykes, man! Like, I can't... I, I, as soon as I saw... I knew Matthew Lillard was in this movie beforehand, and as soon as I saw his face, I immediately recognized it, because I immediately thought of Shaggy. I yes. can't look at Matthew Lillard without thinking of Shaggy in anything now. <laughs> I needed that! I needed that, too! They're pushing your luck, Scoob! 
Matthew Lillard is hilarious in this. He's another horror-obsessed teenager, as is their friend Randy. Kind of a red herring in the movie because of his love for horror films and yeah. how intense he is about it. I mean, yeah. that. I mean, the real question then is, if Matthew Lillard is in this, and then Matthew Lillard with Shaggy, when are we getting the Scream Scooby-Doo crossover? Well, that's my theory, is that he's the identical twin of Shaggy. Have, yes. have Scream 6 be a Scooby-Doo crossover where Matthew Lord comes back, but he also doesn't... I think Matthew... Didn't Matthew Lord come back for the new one? Which, I have no idea, but anyway... It's confusing because he died. <laughs> anyway, in the evening while waiting at home for best friend Tatum uh, Riley to arrive, Sydney gets a taunting phone call and is attacked by Ghostface. Yes. And then uh, Sydney's boyfriend Billy Loomis arrives shortly afterwards. When he drops his cell phone, Sydney suspects him of making the call and flees. And then she has him arrested. And by the way, when yeah. Billy comes through the window, that's also kind of a reference to Nightmare on Elm Street when Johnny Depp's oh, yeah, character goes through true. the window. That does happen. Yep. I also mm-hmm. wrote in my notes here of sort of picking up on the horror tropes and the mystery tropes, mm-hmm. um, but ultimately kind of turning against me, I wrote in my notes, Billy is arrested for being the killer, which means he isn't the killer, <laughs> because that's oh. what happens in all of these, is that if, if, if you find out, if, if, if the characters find out someone's the killer early on in the movie or midway through the movie, that means they're not the killer. Chris, how does it feel to be subverted? <laughs> How does it feel to be deconstructed? <laughs> so Billy is later arrested, but at Tatum's house, Sydney receives another ominous phone call, which means that it's definitely not Billy because Billy was in prison the whole time. So the next day, Billy is released and suspicion shifts to Sydney's father, Neil Prescott, who has gone away on a business trip as the calls have been traced to his phone. So right. the school is suspended in wake of the murders and, and everybody cheers. And it's like and a curfew is going to happen at nine. And they're like, oh, shit, oh. fuck. I also I also there was a there was a point when I was watching this where my theory is what theory is when they when they introduce the concept of cotton weary. I was like, wait, what if cotton weary is the killer? Like, I had a theory that maybe Cotton Weary was going to be the killer. <laughs> like, he escaped from prison and put on this ghost face mask to seek revenge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a possibility the yeah. first time when you're watching it. Another scene that I really like is the one where Stu and Randy are in the video store. Remember video stores? Yeah. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and, they're, and they're talking about horror cliches. And then they get into this argument. <laughs> and then and Randy is, is like super obsessed with this stuff so he's like there's rules to this there's rules Rules. to this which comes in later as well yes Mm -hmm. um so the next day billy is released and school suspended and everybody plans a party now principal himbury uh played by played by henry winkler whom i love um (laughs) who of course played the fawns in happy days which again is why i think that happy days exists within the same universe as scream and scooby-doo so the fawns so the fawns grew up to become a high school wow that's honestly kind of disappointing that's a disappointing ending for the Fonz. <laughs> like, but he's a good character in this. I think he's really funny. Yeah. Like, there's one scene. Yeah, I love there's... Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler is a fantastic actor. Like, there's one scene in this where there's two kids that like put on a ghost face mask and then like ran around as a as a prank and then he expels them and he's like, "That's not fair." And he's like, "You're right. That's not fair." What would be fair is if I killed you. <laughs> yeah, I love. Yeah, I love him. And there's a brief moment where he tries on the ghost face mask. It's like, wait, why is he doing that? And and he keeps getting terrified by his own reflection. And it's like, wait a second, is Henry Winkler the killer? (laughs) (laughs) No, because he immediately gets murdered. Yeah, he immediately gets murdered. Rest in that's sad. Rest in peace, Henry Winkler. But not actually, as far as uh, Henry Winkler is alive. But rest in peace, uh, Principal Principal Fonz. (laughs) 
So Tatum's boyfriend and Billy's best friend, Stu Macher, played, of course, by uh, Shaggy, throws yes. a party to celebrate the school's closure. And I love him in this movie. He has such high energy. I know some people think his character is kind of annoying, but I kind of love him, yeah. honestly. Like, he's, I obviously don't approve of his murdering. Yeah, murder but, is bad. Um, but honestly, he has so much energy about it. I can't help but be like, man, go for your dreams. Go, you know? go for it, dude. <laughs> go, <laughs> the sky is your limit. <laughs> With that said, please don't murder. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then what happens is Tatum's older brother, Deputy Sheriff Dewey Riley, who's also hilarious. He's like the deputy sheriff, and he's constantly gets no respect. No respect. No respect at all. He's kind of immature and a little juvenile. And uh... I will say, so there's a there's an ongoing kind of romance angle between Gail Weathers and Dewey. Um, and while it's yes. mostly pretty good, there is a scene where I think it's Gail says to Dewey, you don't look a day over 12. And I'm like, that's really creepy. Except for your wrong. upper torso. Because he, he, she's saying that he has boyish good looks. Okay, but don't phrase it like that. That's wrong. <laughs> don't do that. No. Well, that's the thing is that she isn't, it, it's kind of a romance, but Gail Weathers is also kind of manipulating him. That to is To try true. and get closer to the Sydney story. That's true. And yeah. the, of course, the twist being that Gail Weathers was actually in the right the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Dewey, there's this fantastic scene with Deputy Sheriff Dewey, which I love a lot, where basically he's talking with another police officer, and the police officer's smoking, you know, like a noir film. And every time he takes a drag of a cigarette, he, he takes a lick of his ice cream cone. Yes! <laughs> it's this great uh, comedic visual. And that's the thing about this movie and the comedy, is a, a lot of it's very in-your-face, but a lot of it also is very subtle. Yeah. There's a lot of subtle comedy in this movie. And I think it's very funny. It's the little um, things. <laughs> it's the little things, exactly. So Tatum's older brother, Deputy Sheriff Dewey Riley, also looks out for the murderer at the party. And I love the point where he goes into the party and is like, hey, you can't drink that, you're underage. Nah, I'm just kidding, have a good time. <laughs> which is like, that's a, that, which is like, look, I get where you're coming from, but that's also an extreme dereliction of duty. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's not on, he's not on duty. Okay, uh, but still though. <laughs> and then the killer, uh, confronts tatum in the garage and and she's all like what are you gonna do oh Murder i love this scene. me <laughs> yeah i love the i love the garage scene where the like, garage the, door killed yeah the garage door killed she like the the woman uh crap i forget her name the other tatum the other, ta oh it is tatum okay sorry yeah yeah where tatum gets locked at the garage with ghost face and she's like she's doing a, she's throwing shit at him and I love like, how Ghostface gets the shit beat out of him. Yes, I it's think it's great. really funny. It's great. We should have we should have more slasher killers getting the shit beaten out of them. Yes, quite frankly. And so she try <laughs> and then she tries to go through the the doggy door on the garage to try and escape. And then and then Ghostface gets to the garage door button, and then she ends up basically being sliced in half by the oh, garage crushed. door. <laughs> yeah, I think crushed. She's crushed by the yeah, garage yeah, door. Yeah, crushed and like well crushed and also like her body kind of splits into <laughs> i don't remember her body splitting because it, it like because okay. like it crushes her organs i think her legs fall off at one point they don't Maybe they don't fall off i think you were just too scared and you remembered things differently i don't I've know i've seen this movie at least three times and I, I don't, don't know like i feel like I, I i well okay Maybe it's just that I get the impression that would cut, <laughs> cut her in half. I feel like Anyways. I feel like it would cut her in half is all I'm saying. 
anyways, many other party attendees are watching a horror film, and then this is when Stu has his big long monologue about the rules. So, so the and, rules uh, of surviving a horror movie, which is this is when Randy has his big speech, and uh, this is very funny because he's like, "Never say I'll be right back," and then Stu is like, "Hey, I'm gonna go get a beer. You want one?" He's like, "Sure, I'll be, be right, right back." Because <laughs> yeah, the, the rules are like, you, you don't have sex. You don't. You 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 can't have sex. Uh, right. Don't drink or do drugs. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, never say, uh, never say I'll be right back, as we mentioned, and only the virgin can, uh, can stop the killer. Um, the only, exactly. or only the, yeah, which are basically all true. <laughs> yes, it, it is well-established slasher movie tropes. Yeah. So anyway, many other party attendees are drawn away after hearing of Hembry's death because they're excited to go see their dead principal <laughs> hanging from a flagpole. <laughs> What's his, look, I get high, high school is terrible. I and you know most school admini- and a lot of school administration is not very good. I have <laughs> I have many rants I could go on about how fucking terrible the public school system is. But even I'm like this feels wrong. I like these high these school ch- high schoolers are sociopaths. Have you not realized this yet? Like look, I know a lot of the look, I know at least some of them are like actually but here's the thing. Most people in high school are dealing with the same hell that the rest of us are dealing with. I I, feel, I don't think that's true. I have a problem. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I kind of raise an eyebrow. At, at, look, I can imagine some people would be sociopathic enough to be like, yeah, let's look at our dead principal hanging from the flagpole. But I feel like a, a good, at least a, I, I don't feel like all of them would, is what I'm they saying. They would. They all nah, would. I don't, I don't buy it. They Sorry. would, def- they would I, definitely do it. I'm willing to it. accept it because it's a comedy, but like in real life, no. No. In real life, uh, they would uh, definitely do it. No. After having sex, Sydney and Billy are confronted by the killer because Billy was finally able to, was it finally, Sydney was finally like, oh, Billy, it's time. It's time yes. for me to do the do. So then yes. Sydney escapes the, from the house. Do the do, about do. Yes. Sydney escapes from the house and seeks help from Kenny uh, after the Ghostface killer stabs Billy, apparently. Yeah. Uh, but the killer slashes his throat, and uh, then Kenny dies, and it's sad because Kenny was, was a really yeah. nice cameraman. He didn't I do anything Kenny. wrong. I liked Kenny. I liked Kenny. Rest in peace, Kenny. Oh my so god, then, they killed Kenny! Then Gail tries to escape in her van, but it crashes because, you, you surprised, know... Uh, listeners, are you surprised that I was the one who made the South Park reference there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so Kenny was on top of the on top of the van, and she's like, "Kenny, I'm sorry, but get the fuck off my van." Fuck off my van. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Dewey is stabbed in the back while investigating the house, and Sydney takes Dewey. his gun for yeah. protection. And then Randy and Stu show up and both accuse each other of being the killer. But Sydney's like, "All right, fuck you both. I'm not letting either of you in." Retreats back into the house where she finds Billy wounded, falling down the stairs. And then they let Randy back inside, and Sydney gives Billy the gun. And then he lets Randy inside, and he's like, we all go a little crazy sometimes. Oh, my God, Billy's the killer. Billy's and he the shoots killer. Randy. And, but then it turns out that both Billy and Stu were the killers. What? Yes. It's a dual killers, too. It's a dual killer dual reveal, du- and I think it's really it's a really good reveal. Uh, it's surprising because you weren't expecting it. You know, there's yeah, like, and it all... And it also Definitely turns things out... they set up that would only make sense if there were two killers, if Billy was still guilty, you know? But yeah. you would think that Billy isn't guilty at this point because they've already kind of had stuff happen when he was in prison, you know? Yeah. And I also, you know, and so, it, yeah, because it turns out, like, Billy has actually been being super manipulative and evil for before the ghost face thing, even. Because he apparently yes. framed Cotton Weary... 
um, because Sydney's mom, because Sydney's mom slept with Billy's dad. Yeah, and that caused his parents' divorce. Yeah, and uh, Stu's Stu's motive was pure pressure. Peer, peer pressure. It's scarier when there isn't a motive. It's scary when there's no motive. He's like, she's like, "What's your motive?" And he's like, "Peer pressure." And then I she, also, I, I love what else I love is when she calls the cops. He's like, "Did you really call the cops?" And my parents are gonna be so mad. My parents are gonna be so mad. <laughs> Which is funny because I feel like, I feel like this character of uh, of Stu is kind of psychotic <laughs> yeah i feel like I he does actually him. like need therapy <laughs> uh well, meanwhile billy is the one that actually like makes plans and stuff yeah and they had they had kidnapped their dad her dad and that's why he wasn't there anymore yeah. and they had been using a voice changer uh yeah. to uh, basically change their voices on the phone calls so recognizing the voice in the phone call sydney retreats into the kitchen billy and Stu discuss their plans to kill sydney and pin the murder spree on her father whom they have taken hostage and they're planning to make it stage like it's a suicide yeah so they also reveal that they murdered her mother and framed cotton for it yeah. as she was having right. a affair with billy's we, father yeah gail intervenes gail shows up and intervenes and then uh she's like this is the part of the movie where the detective stops all this and she sydney's like i like that ending and then they're like yeah but you gotta use the safety oh she doesn't know how to use the safety so then she gets yeah. hit in the face and then she falls unconscious yeah so, i also like the sort of conversation they have about like violent media or and yes. like it's like you know movies don't make psychos movies make psychos more creative which is which which is true which and yeah. also ironic given that there were actually a number of controversies about this movie after release <laughs> Uh, so yeah, then Sydney escapes and turns the tables on them, taunting them with phone calls and donning the killer's costume. Again, this is the the murder victim, the female virgin of the group, taking up the uh, weapon, the symbolic phallus. Yes. <laughs> Freudianism. Yeah. And uh, and uh, then she yeah. has to defend herself. And then what happens is taunting them with the phone and donning the killer's costume she knocks out billy and drops a television set on Stu's head killing him <laughs> yes death by tv <laughs> the death by tv which is fitting for Stu, i think yes billy awakens and attacks sydney but gail shoots him and randy is revealed to be wounded but alive and remarks that oh, i've, I'm I've so never been I'm so happy to be a virgin <laughs> And he remarks that the killer always resurfaces for one last scare, and then Billy starts to rise, and Sydney shoots Billy in the fucking face, killing yeah. him for good, and we'll never have to have any sequels ever again. There'll definitely never be any other people who put on the ghost face costume. Definitely. As police arrive, Dewey, badly injured, is taken away by an ambulance, and Gail makes an impromptu news report about the night's events. And then... Everything is happy, and it ends with the Scream title, which we looks weirdly like the One Missed Call logo from Takashi <laughs> Miike's film One Missed Call. <laughs> so, Chris, what did you think of Scream? Scream is a really good movie. Like, I think, like, some of the horror trip references, like, yeah, some of it's kind of obvious. Like, yeah, all right, we get it. And, you know, I'm not I, every... I feel like it was also kind of necessary at this point in the genre's That's history. That's fair. That, that it needs to reflect on itself to move forward. It's more of a... I, I think that's, that criticism is more of a looking at this film from a modern lens than, you know... Right. Uh, but, and, you know, not not necessarily every joke lands. There's a couple of things that haven't aged particularly well. 
um, you, you know, like some some rape jokes and things like that. Or like, mm, uh, also the uh, the centering of the virginity around the main character. I yeah. don't think that's really something that is in much modern media. But what is really uh, relevant is the fact that everybody is trying to convince Sydney <laughs> that her memories are fake. Yeah. <laughs> And that she, uh, everybody's just basically torturing and gaslighting this one woman, yeah, uh, who is herself a victim of violence. Yeah, and I think that uh, that theme is very powerful, and I think most of the jokes do really work. The scares are effective, the kills are creative, and it's got a, and all of the characters are very compelling. So overall, you know, not perfect, but a very very solid movie. I re- I very much enjoyed this. I agree. And I, I actually kind of want to yeah. see where they go with the... I do kind of want to see where they go with the sequels, because there's, like, four of them. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, Scream, for me, uh, upon rewatching it, I realized how... I, I, I always thought that it was great, but wa- upon rewatching it, I was like, oh, this is actually much smarter than I gave it credit for when I saw it as a teenager. Uh, there's a lot of, like, little subtle jokes yeah. in here that are really funny, especially having to do with Dewey. Um, yes. uh, I, I really like the themes of basically it's kind of about desensitization to violence in media in yeah. a way and how that affects these teenagers. But also, I think it's also about how, you know, the media itself can kind of inform or kind of show how people think about violence and that kind of goes into gail weathers who's writing these you know lurid books about like violence and she's basically an ambulance chaser which is uh, which is again ironic given that there were uh after the this film's release there were you know several controversies around like murder cases in involving the the murders in question being supposedly inspired by the film um and that's the thing is that yeah. like, I don't I don't actually think a movie yeah can they, they, they you don't to murder. like they I think like a movie cannot you make you a movie or a video game if you're going to whatever. murder someone yeah. like a movie or a video game or any other piece of media can't make you go out and kill somebody right they exactly. can give you they can give you an aesthetic certainly or an idea or an idea but they can't make you like if you weren't going to go out and kill someone you're not going to go watch a violent movie and then be convinced that, like that's no that's bullshit. i was a pacifist until i watched friday the 13th <laughs> exactly. now yeah. i'm a murderer and no. that gets kind of into the other theme which is the movie itself is also kind of a commentary on that backlash to violent media where basically in the 1980s there was this whole satanic panic thing around horror films especially in the united kingdom yeah uh, the United Kingdom started banning horror films and videotapes uh, in the 1980s. They were called like video nasties, such as uh, I Spit on Your Grave, which is referenced in this film as I Spit on Your Garage. I spit on Your Garage, yeah. Uh, and they started, you know, banning these movies because they thought they were going to turn all of these children into, into violent monsters, you know? And yeah, it's and kind that of was also something that a commentary spe- on that, you know? criticizing yeah that and that continued especially in the in the 90s i mean more so like the the you know sort of hullabaloo about like violent video games and you know things of that nature um yeah the moral panic switched to something else once it came to the 2000s yeah the, the like, 90s and essentially the 2000s, still really. the same thing yeah I mean, it's it's the same yeah. concept but like just with a different coat of paint effectively 
Um, but overall, I think Scream is a really effective and fantastic horror film, even though some of it is pretty dated. I think a lot of it still holds up today, and you should all go watch it because it's an incredibly important part of horror history. And also there's a new one out, so you can be uh, relevant. <laughs> Scream 5, which uh, they really should have put the 5 instead of the S, so it'd be 5 Cream. Okay, no. They shouldn't have done that. They should have just called it Scream 5 or given it a subtitle. Just anything just like other how than Scream just calling 4 it. had a 4 in the middle of it, that, which so it'd was be also, form. That was also <laughs> terrible. I hate that. I, side note, I really, one of my, I absolutely despise the practice of putting a number in place of a letter in a sequel title unless you're replacing look the only exception is if you are replacing too fast too furious okay that's fine (laughs) i'm okay with replacing the word two with the number two and i'm okay (laughs) with replacing the word four with the number four everything else terrible get it out of here okay fan four sticks graforum drive three or just uh, no, <laughs> or or fa three or as well. Just uh, get it out of here. Get it out. No. So Chris, you like Scream, right? I do like Scream. Yes. All right. Well, next we're going to be talking about the Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh... <laughs> that was David Arquette who played Dewey Riley. So I'm going to be taking up the plot synopsis for the Star Wars Holiday Special as we get into it. So all of you listening can have a full understanding of my pain. So, because for those of you who don't, how, how do you even do a plot synopsis of this? I'm not sure, but I, I'm going to try. So, for okay. those of you who don't know, the Star Wars Holiday Special was uh, as a TV special uh, that, well, quote unquote TV special. It's an hour and a half. Um, yep. And uh, released in 1978, uh, aired only once. That is considered so bad, never re-released. Um, and George Lucas has very famously gone on record and saying, if I had the time and resources, or I might be paraphrasing slightly, but if I had the time and resources, I would track down every single copy of that special and physically destroy it with a sledgehammer. <laughs> George Lucas disowns this harsh. special and is personally ashamed of it. Bearing in mind, this is a man who was okay with Jar Jar Binks and was okay with Howard the Duck. This is where he draw he drew the line. Yep. And after watching it, I don't blame him. And I would ask I him... I think it's th- not the worst thing in the world. I think it's very bad. And I also... It want- is very bad. I, 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 wanna, I think it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's not the worst movie That's I've ever seen. It's not that bad. Nah, it's that bad. And I will say... I've seen things you wouldn't believe, Chris. Well, that's because your existence is bad. I've seen YouTubers on an airplane... <laughs> With Jake Paul. <laughs> That's true. I have not seen. I have not seen that. But, but uh, I want to. Before I get into the plot summary, I just want. I've ma- seen food mascots, barely animated, <laughs> flopping around with Christopher Walken. <laughs> oh no, wait. It was Christopher Lloyd. I was going to say. I thought it was Christopher Lloyd. Let us begin. I would. I would also like to point out that because this has only ever been aired once, the copies you will find are from, of course, that original broadcast. Which opens. And v- they're with, mostly VHS. They're mostly recordings. VHS copies. Uh, the one I found on YouTube opens with the CBS announcer uh, declaring that the Incredible Hulk will not be seen tonight. So yeah, I watched were, that one also. If you were hoping Lou Ferrigno would save us, I'm afraid not. Um, no. Uh, Sorry. God. I'd, so I'd much rather be watching Incredible Hulk than, than this. Um, so basically. So on Life Day. Yeah, so basically this opens on Life Day. and I, Which is I will, canon. 
Life Day is canon. The special is not. Um, well, there's nothing specifically in canon okay, that decanonizes no, 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 no. Okay, the special. No, no, no. We're, we're getting we're getting to canonicity of the special. Despite the unpopularity of the special, Lucasfilm maintained its status as part of the continuity, placing it halfway between episodes 4 and 5 from 1978 to 2014. Most elements, though not all, of the holiday special fell under a secondary level of canon, superseded by other licensed works. So even back in the day, it was never real canon. Um, this was clarified in 2007 by Leland Chi, who made. Well, this doesn't matter what was in 2007. We're talking about Disney canon now. Disney after Lucasfilm was acquired by the Walt Disney Company, Thank the you. Holocron, um, which was the uh, continuity uh, thing that they used before, was retired. Right. And only the episodic films and animated series beginning with the Clone Wars were declared to be part of the new canon. So under Disney canon, holiday special is not canon. Life Day is because it was mentioned in the first episode of The Mandalorian. If it's not canon, why did they keep referencing it? They they reference Life Day and they re- well they're referencing it because it's a meme now. That's the only. So here's reason. the thing. Here's um, the thing, is that there's this trend in Disney Star Wars where they keep pulling things from legends that were previously non-canonical. All right, I have several instances of this. Uh, for instance, the Mandalorian Wars are have been referenced several times in the Mandalorian. That but, was part of Legends. Yeah, but the, that was also uh, I believe that was also referenced in the Clone Wars as well, which was already canon, you know. Before. Right. Well, that was when the Clone Wars was also really integrated into the Legends canon. So anyway, uh, besides that, there's the Clone Palpatine, that is also now canon. Um several other things are also now canon that were not canon after immediately the Disney buyout but have been reintroduced into canon. Yeah, but a lot so, of them are also like done different versions. Like Th- Thrawn like is Thrawn, now canon Yeah, like again. Thrawn is canon, but the Thrawn books are not canon and like right. Thrawn is an entirely different story and he's in a different era cuz he's now a So that's why he's now a that's pre- why my approach character. to the Disney canon is to say if Disney doesn't say that it's specifically not canon. Well, they've said that it's probably canon until proven otherwise. Well, it's not canon. That's the other thing, is that canon maintenance is has nothing to do with the quality of the stories. It has to do with corporate management of IP property. I mean, look, yes, but also, it's not canon. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a, not a non-compelling argument okay. for it to be in canon. But it shouldn't Considering be. the things that have been referenced. I mean... Anyways. But it, Chewbacca accompanied so, by Han Solo. Okay, anyways, anyways. Again, I was doing the plot synopsis. So now we'll get into it. So anyways, so this... So the special opens with Han Solo and Chewbacca trying to get Chewie home for Life Day in this really... And the lighting is really bad in this scene and all of the Millennium Falcon scenes. Um, yes. And... It is a TV special. I mean, but even for a TV special, I'm like, this is bad <laughs> i mean yeah i mean caravan of courage it is not but still yeah like i, I, mean, I don't like caravan of courage either but it looks better than this and is better than this um yeah so and a- the along ent- the way and they yeah and so they run into the empire along the way and then the cast roll happens in which there is the one good joke of the entire special which is when they get to r2d2 they say R2-D2 as R2-D2, which is actually What about the funny. part where Art Carney dresses up as a woman and and does cooking? For the record... That's that, a good joke. Uh, that was Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman, my fan. bad, sorry. Um, and no. <laughs> <laughs> you see, here's my problem, is that watching this for the second time, my brain started to melt. <laughs> so I had no actual way of understanding if I was enjoying what I was watching ironically or sarcastically. 
It was kind of like, how do I put this? If Star Wars were liquefied into an ambient entertainment, and it's like, okay, I can put this on and, like, zone out and absolutely think nothing about it. And that's the, that's the good thing about this, is that it, it basically makes you not think about anything for 90 minutes. So if you've had a stressful day, watch the Star Wars <laughs> Holiday Special, because there's nothing no. to this. Well, There's nothing in it. I mean, there's stuff... <laughs> It's it's both nothing and way too many things that are all terrible simultaneously. Right. Well, I mean, um, it's, it's like a Star Wars variety hour. Yeah, it's a Star Wars variety. It's a, yeah, it's a Star Wars variety uh, special, um, basically. And yes. It is like here's the thing. I love variety, but like I, I I love a good like special. I love you know I think variety hours and variety shows I think can be a lot of fun. This is not good. This is not a good mm. way to do that. So um, why don't you tell me what you think of uh, Chewbacca's family on okay. Kashyyyk? So yeah, so inside Ch- the Kashyyyk suburb, Chewbacca's <laughs> has a family now, um, and uh, um, uh, also for some reason uh, this is slightly jumping ahead, but for some reason they pronounce Kashyyyk as Kazook in this, which is further hmm. proof that it's not canon because they mis- mispronounce the the name. Well, I th- is it is it one of the characters that says that? Yeah, it's, it a char- it's a character. Okay. It's a character. It's one of the well, Empire Ch- guys. Chewbacca's family is, of course, Mala, Itchy, and yeah, Grandpa Lumpy. Itchy, the, yeah. his son Lumpy, and his wife Mala. I guess Mala is okay. Um, Lumpy is so fucking I, annoying. I hate Lumpy, and I hate Itchy. I want them to die. <laughs> It's it's not even what they do. It's the noises that they it's the, make. Yeah, the main problem is that okay, I want to know who greenlit the. Co- okay, let's just have it focus mostly on this Wookiee family, and not only just have them constantly roaring, but not even have subtitles. So like, most of the plot is incredibly hard to understand what plot there is because it's communicated by these Wookiees who don't speak English and there's no subtitles. And also the sounds themselves are obnoxious as hell and they just keep roaring and roaring (laughs) and roaring. I wrote in my notes... Like, like, I, like, I was less than five minutes in, and I was already sick of the roaring. <laughs> I was like, this does not bode well at all. And then, and then, Lumpy goes out onto the onto the like awning of of, the, and that's because and he looks Kashyyyk, like he's gonna jump. Yeah, because the Kashyyyk suburb, you know, it's one of those Kashyyyk houses that's high up in the trees, and it looks like he's gonna. Which looks jump. a lot like uh, how they looked in Re- Re- Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, that's exactly. Why it's canon. Well, no. um and chris this has mark hamill it has carrie fisher and it has harrison ford how is it not canon because because itchy and lumpy don't exist (laughs) (laughs) itchy and lumpy aren't canon just you wait they're gonna bring them back i well solo actually does have a line about chewbacca having a family but yes, whether or not this is my point. But whether or not, but that family consisting of Mala, Itchy, and Lumpy is never specified one way or the other. Chris, it is you're the you're the one you're the fear meme. It's like no fear. <laughs> Them making the holiday special canon one, one fear. fear. <laughs> they never do it. Here's the thing, because to make it here's the thing, they're never gonna do it because to make the holiday special canon, they'd actually have to re-release it, and they don't want to do that. 
So anyway, hoping to find the Millennium Falcon, his wife Mala runs a computer scan for starships in the area, yeah, but it's unsuccessful. I... So anyway, Mala Anyways. then contacts Luke Skywalker, who looks like he just got into a car accident and has a lot of makeup on his face. Oh, no, 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 not even before that. Okay, so before, so, so <laughs> you're jumping ahead here. Okay, so basically, so what ha- I need to break this down, like, bit Do by bit. Do you really? To, to fully understand my pain. I think the viewers need to understand what I went through and what you went through, except for that part where you skipped the random concert, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah. So anyways, so after some terrible green screen effect computer scans about Itchy and Mala missing Chewie, and I wrote in all caps in my notes here, somebody speak English, please. Then there's a random hologram gymnastics synch- rhythmic. Oh, yes, the gymnastics. gymnastics. I love this part. That makes no sense. I hate the music. The music is so fucking obnoxious. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's it's it 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 like burned my it like was burning my eardrums. No. So that random scene happens. And then Lumpy starts. Hey, you're insulting Ken Welch and Mitzi Welch, who did the songs for this. I'm so do better. Ken Welch and Mitzi Welch. Do better. Um and that was not worthy of applause, Lumpy. Just uh, no. Yeah. Well, then, then the gr- the then, green guy, the green guy has a trumpet, and then he like he like disappears. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. That also happens. And then, and then after they find out there aren't any starships around because they were scanning for Chewie's ship, that's when he call. Yeah. That's when they call Luke Skywalker. And dear God, Mark Campbell's makeup is so terrible. Um, and because you know he was just in a car accident at the time, and they uh, he had yep. he hadn't fully recovered from the, the scars hadn't fully healed yet. So they had to put him in the single worst makeup I've ever seen. <laughs> and meanwhile, R2-D2 is working on his X-Wing fighter. Yeah, R2-D2. And we get some sc- banter between uh, Luke and R2-D2. R2, you scamp. No, wait. No, don't end the call. Luke, R2, save us, please. No. <laughs> That's all the so, Mark Hamill they could afford. Somebody spoke English finally, and now it's over. God damn it. So then Luke, he- Luke's like, hey, why don't you give me a smile? Yeah, and then... <laughs> All of the main Star Wars there actors you go. look like they look and sound like they don't want to be here. Harrison Ford is or are high or um, drunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, or some combination of of the, of that of the of all yes. those factors. So anyways, and then the Empire goes to investigate a local shopkeeper on Kashyyyk, claimed by Art Carney, who's like the only actor in this, at this point of the special who seems to be trying like, yes. it's still not good, but he's... Hey, least... Chris, Chris, his his name is Son Dan. Sorry. A local trader. Son Dan, right. a local get trader. The, get, get the name correct, all right? Thank Son you. Dan, the, Thank no, you. the non-canon character, um, goes to... <laughs> I swear to God, if fucking Art Carney shows up in, like, one of the Fallen Order games or some shit, I'm going to scream. Chris is gonna have nightmares about this. Like, no, Art Carney, no, no. you're not canon. <laughs> it's not canon. It's not. It's not. So yeah, this whole thing about the Empire, um, like, um, the Empire, he, he like, he gives a gifts gift to the guy for, and for then, Life Day, and it it adds nothing. And then Darth Vader is there, and he feels really out of place with the rest of the special because he he's yeah. only there for the one scene, and he's like, I want you to fight the rebels. And now yes, that, find the rebel spies. Find the rebel spies, and I'm not going to do anything else. Vader, and also, uh, he he the, the gifts that he gives are he gives Itchy the the VR porn, which we'll get to. Uh, he gives um, Mala. What does he give Mala? I forget. I, I forget. He gives Mala like a special 
I don't remember. A thingamabob. A thingamabob. So then Mala attempts unsuccessfully to prepare a band. Yeah, meal. because then we get to this the, this the cooking sketch show where Harvey Corman, who is in drag yes. now, um, with three arms. Th- with with uh, forearms, forearms actually, forearms, um, and yes. who is doing a cooking show? Where th- that's the problem with the with the comedy with the quote unquote comedy sketches Whipster. in this special Whipster. is that at least half of them are just Harvey Corman in different outfits giving in universe instructional videos that are largely played straight and have something barely resembling a joke. You see, that's the thing. And this is where I realized my brain was melting because I didn't, because I didn't hate this scene. Oh no! It because 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 it's just it's. Cooked. It was like I was watching like a Star Wars themed cooking show. I mean, yeah, but there's a way to make that good. Like I own a Star Wars cookbook, um, and mm-hmm. there's a way you could make a Star Wars cooking show fun. Mm-hmm. But the way to do also, that... Chris, the character's name is Chef Gormanda. Get it right. So, anyways, drag Harvey <laughs> Corman. <laughs> <laughs> Chef Gourmanda. Chef Gourmanda is not canon. She's canon. No. And uh, she whips and stirs. Chef Gourmanda, and um, t- while attempting to cook Bantha surprise, the surprise is food poisoning. Um, yes. And now, she goes. You use, you use the the loins, and if you if you need to feed more people, you, you, you use, use the Bantha. Use the, use the Bantha use the rump. rump. And she right. goes on this whole bit. About stir. I remember that. I didn't write that down. About <laughs> stir. She just keeps going. Of stir, whip, whip, stir, stir, whip, 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 stir. whip, stir, stir, whip, stir, whip, 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 stir, stir, whip, stir, whip, make it stop. I can't take it anymore. Why do you do this? Make it Chris, stop. And then the bit. What do you think of the rocket ship roulette segment? <laughs> Why do you do this to me? It's not me. It's the aliens. <laughs> Why did the why are the aliens so cruel? What did I ever do to the aliens? <laughs> well, they're demons, so. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> um. So, anyways, the bit finally mercifully ends. Then there's a brief bit that so- slightly resembles Star Wars, where they're in yes. the spaceship and doing some uh space avoidance stuff. And Harrison Ford sounds incredibly bored. Um, All right, old buddy, old pal. And then we're Art- gonna get you back for life day. Then Art Carney, um, Sondan or whatever brings gifts for the family and he gives a lumpy a Commodore 64. <laughs> yes. Um and and then and and then we get the VR porn the best scene the of the VR movie. porn no it's <laughs> this scene uh itchy I space makes me uncomfortable and Diane Carroll watches Diane Carroll VR porn and visibly gets off to it in his face in the living room like i just want to point out he is doing this in the living room in the in the main in the main (laughs) commodity area of the house and i'm like if you're gonna do this horrible disgusting shit at least do it in the bedroom but then she has a musical number there are children present there are children (laughs) in the room itchy you are disgusting you should go <laughs> to prison. <laughs> no, bad. Chris, but the, but it's not. It's not VR porn because then she has a musical number. There's musical porn. I need to clip <laughs> that and post that on Twitter out of context because that is the greatest thing that's ever been said on this podcast. There's musical porn. <laughs> Anyways, back on the Millennium Falcon. 
Chewbacca and Han have just come out of hyperspace. Yeah, not and the, far oh, yeah, from and the, no, no, no. Before that, before that, after the song goes on forever, and then yes. Carrie Fisher is there. Uh, Leia is there with C-3PO, and she and she also sounds incredibly bored. And they do a conversation that adds nothing to the plot, um, but is just there so they could say that Leia was in it. And then yeah. the Millennium Falcon comes back, and and I'm like, please save us. Please have something that's actually Star Wars. And then Han and Chewie finally land on Kashyyyk. Yes. Um, and then the family sees that they're landing and they get excited to go to the, the door because there's a knock on the door. But then, oh shit, stormtroopers! And, dun, dun, dun. and then it's I, a plot. Which I, and then I wrote in my notes here, please kill the horny grandpa. I was hoping <laughs> the stormtroopers would execute Itchy, quite frankly. That would Itchy have been the best is, ending. Is is basically the DBZ grandpa of this movie. Yeah. He's Master Roshi. He's Master He's Roshi. Master Roshi. Of the Chewbacca family. Jesus Christ. Um so then, so the so then Art Carney the does a bunch of really bad riffs um that yes. go on forever. And then they set and then they spend uh, or, and, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, his name is Son. Son, whatever. Not Art Carney. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. And then uh, and then and then they take an inordinately long amount of time to set up this computer. And then they have a random Jefferson Starship concert, which you I skipped, because honestly, I, I I didn't have time to watch a bad eighties music video. I mean it's today. I mean the song itself is seventies. It's fine, but, I know. it's fine, I guess, but not even Jefferson it's, Starship. It's like the blandest music you could you could possibly it's imagine. It's like I mean it's not the worst song in this. Um uh I will get, I mean that's not saying that's much. That's not saying much, but I'm like not even Jefferson Starship can save this. And also all of their instruments have weird lightsaber effects on them because Star yep. Wars that yeah, makes and, this totally and, and relevant. Then, and, then it, right? and then it ends, and the head officer orders the search to continue, yeah. and nothing was gained of nothing that waste of time. was gained. The song keeps... I wrote in my notes, in all caps, because I wrote... There are, I have three bullet points on this, uh, on this concert scene specifically. How? Not even Jefferson Starship can save this special now. Jefferson Starship isn't very good. Why do the <laughs> instruments... I mean, they're all, they're all right. I mean, this song isn't very good, but they're a decent band. You know, I like them okay. well enough. And then, this, mm-hmm. then why do the instruments have lightsaber effects? And then, all caps, why is this song still going? <laughs> so anyway, after that, the head officer tells Mala to keep Lumpy busy while they search his room. So Lumpy, and it, it, by the way, in his room, he has a little Bantha stuffed animal. And yeah, I thought he has that a Bantha stuffed cute. animal. And they also, at one point, the Empire is just like, I wouldn't want to... You know, I wouldn't want my men to have to kill people and lose control. And I'm like, lose control of your men, please. Kill them all. All right. Kill them all. Um, and then what happens? We get that, a cartoon. Is, yeah. Is that a character in Star Wars watches a cartoon about Star Wars? And it's so much better it's, than the rest of the special. It is definitely. This is the, the only highlight. part of the special that has been officially released, which definitely tells you something about its quality. It is definitely. Can I, a, can I do the? Can I do the the plot synopsis? All right. Of the cartoon? Um, can, can I? Can I just say my my opinions first? Yes. Um, sure. With some things, is that um, it is definitely better um, than the rest of it, which is not saying much, and it's certainly a unique oddity. But the animation and art style is just really weird. Like everyone's faces look off. And I kind of this... like that it has that kind of weird caricatured like animation. I, I don't know something design. about Han. Something about fun. Han Solo's face in particular makes me uncomfortable. Um, he looks like Popeye. He looks like no, no, no. It's not even that. He looks like he looks flat. 
He looks like that's he, true. He looks like Flat Stanley. <laughs> I mean, but if you put a pipe in his lips, he looks exactly like Popeye. Uh, may, I don't know. Popeye's too rounded. Popeye's too rounded. For Anyways, that. um, and the so... other problem and the other thing is that there's this one scene with this fat guy with a mustache. He's like one of the rebel commanders, and I swear and to he God, he looks like Robotnik. I, yeah, a little bit like Robotnik. But the animation itself and his facial expressions, swear I swear to God, it looks exactly like a Zelda CDI game. <laughs> like, it's it's jarring. <laughs> so I really like this part, or maybe it's just that the rest of the part is torture, so okay. I like it more. It's an okay cartoon. Yeah, the story so of the Faithful Wookiee, I, I'm, a big fan, um, I'm a big fan of low-budget science fiction shows. Like, I really like Star Trek the Animated Series. I consider it, like, one of my favorite Star Trek shows, which is, like... A very unpopular opinion. (laughs) So during a search for a talisman, the Millennium Falcon crashes on the water moon of Panna with the main characters aboard. They run into Boba Fett, who sounds fucking fantastic. The first first canonical appearance of... uh, the Well, okay, not first canonical, but the first on-screen appearance of... You said it was canonical. No, that was a slip of the tongue. Slip of the tongue. You said it. You said it, Chris. Stick it from the record. Stricken from the I'm, record. I'm tweeting first this. On I'm, tweet, I'm screen, tweeting this. First on-screen appearance of Boba Fett. Uh, but, and this is actually, I had a thing about canon, in that this is the <laughs> only official Boba Fett appearance that has not been redubbed, which confirms that it is not canon. Because in canon, he sounds like Tamura Morrison now. So therefore... <laughs> so therefore... So here's the thing, is that, in my opinion... The special editions aren't canon to begin with. Well, so it doesn't matter. Well, actually, uh, look, the special editions are the canon versions. I uh, there's a I I think the his original versions should be released for historical preservation, and also a lot in many ways they are better. Um, but the special editions are the canon versions. Fucking deal with it. Shut up. I have outed um, that you admitted the holiday specials canon. No, it's not. I vowed I, I you on Twitter. No, it's the no. That's just fake news. Fake <laughs> news. I'm gonna have to go on Twitter after we record this and and let everyone know that's fake news. That's fake so news. So they all bored. Stricken for the record. So they run into Boba Fett, who saves Luke from a giant uh, dinosaur monster. And I like how there's like alien dinosaurs. I think that's a lot of fun. And like this would actually make a really good Saturday morning cartoon. And if you were to do yeah. a Star Wars holiday special. Why not make it animated like this? Yeah, there's uh, there's so many other better ways you could have done the holiday. Se- like, not even just make it animated. Like, my idea would be is that instead of focusing on this random Wookiee family for most of it and just have intermittent quote-unquote comedy sketches, what you would have it do is you would have it be like maybe Han and Chewie, like, they pick up the Wookiee family from Space Church or whatever. Um, and they're in the Millennium Falcon, and meanwhile, Luke is doing his thing, and Leia's doing her thing, and they're all trying to meet up for life. Are you Day. seriously rewriting and the holiday special? It follows right <laughs> their like it intercuts between uh, between their intergalactic road trips and the wacky shenanigans they have throughout. That would be a good premise. It would take advantage of the characters. You know, it would actually have the characters be on screen for for all of it. You wouldn't have to deal with the fucking roaring all of the time. Like, because Han would be there. Like, 
Why didn't they? Anyways. Like, yeah. Th- th- that would have been a much better version. Anyways, continue. Um. Fett and Chewie go into Panda City to get the cure. Once they get into the Imperial-occupied city, Fett instructs Chewie to stay behind because the sleeping virus has infected them all caused by the talisman. The talisman has a and, sleeping virus, by the way. Yes. Um. Boba Fett uh, is contented by Darth Vader, and on the Falcon is C-3PO is carrying In for Darth Han Vader's only other scene. <laughs> yeah. Yes, R2-D2 intercepts the transmission between Vader and Fett. Evading the Imperials, Fett and Chewie return to the Falcon with the cure. After everybody recovers from the virus, they learn of Fett's true allegiances. He blasts away using his jetpack, promising they will meet again. And thus and Boba Fett strikes back. And thus Boba Fett flew away without doing anything. The heroes like, head back to the <laughs> rebel base aboard the Falcon. I will say that is, that is a problem I have, and I put, and I put it in my review, is that... In, in response to people trying to make stupid, snarky jokes about how this is still better than whatever other new Star Wars thing, which it's... No. Um, is that, like, look, I'm not going to say that Book of Boba Fett is the greatest show in the world, but the title character does things in it, as opposed to the cartoon segment of this, where as soon as they find out what Boba Fett's master plan is, he just flies away without, like, you know, trying to capture them or making them lead him to their base. Like, he doesn't do anything. He just flies off. Anyway, Chris, just like... you want to talk about the rest of the plot in a in a very fast uh, way because we really shouldn't have this much to say about the plot of the holiday special. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just have to. I'll try to be a bit more succinct, uh, at least a bit okay. more succinct. So then, what happens is after Boba Fett flies away without doing anything, um, we cut back to the live action segment, wherein uh, Lumpy sets up his Commodore 64 as Harvey Corman. Uh, gives just a computer tutorial. Oh, I, I skipped this part also. Oh, well, okay. So so you don't know my real... Pa- so you don't know the real... No, page. I know. I've seen this before, okay. and that's why I knew to skip it. Okay. Because <laughs> nothing happens. Yeah, so it's just a computer tutorial where Harvey Corman shows you how to build a non-existent PC. Yeah. How is this supposed to be funny, except he occasionally does a weird robot voice, and then he falls asleep at the end, which tracks with the rest of this. Um, yep. So then, so then, what happens is that the Empire uh, makes the other Empire guys. The Empire makes the the troopers there watch this mandatory program about B. Arthur running a bar on Tatooine, and this is the best is part good, of the special. Which is a good part because kinda. B. Arthur is the only one putting in actual effort, where she's running this little cantina. Um, but then the Empire institutes a curfew, which means that they can't run the cantina anymore. But all the people and then they have a song. want to stay at the cantina, and he and she's like. By the way, what? you're forgetting that Akmina, uh, it, he has a little hole in his head where he pours drinks into. Yes, yes, he does. Um, and so yes. then Bjorn. Oh, I'm sorry, that was Krellman. So that Arthur's was Krellman, like, not Akmina. Yeah. Krellman. Um, whatever. They're all non. B. Arthur's character is um, named Akmina. Oh, Akmina. All right. If yes. if any of this is ever going to be made canon, um, it should be Akmita B. Arthur. Although they can't do that now because as, B. Arthur has as a gay, away. I am forced to love B. Arthur <laughs> unconditionally. Yeah. So yeah, she has this great musical number, and it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's actually it's the only time I I am I was emotionally invested in anything that happens, and so th- this is the other thing that like if you weren't going to have that uh, rewrite I mentioned earlier, this is what should have been the focus. Is B-, B. Arthur running a canteen on Tatooine on Life Day, and the other characters come in as as guests at the bar? That's what the special should have been. <laughs> it would have been better. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. so after that, what happens? Um, so after the musical number and the is that a tear, friend? 
and and so and getting some actual emotional investment as she shuts down the lights on the bar. But then it ends. And it's like, no, B. Arthur, come back. Um, um. So then B. Arthur must leave us. So then Chewie and Han finally show up and they knock out the stormtroopers. There's a Wilhelm scream. Uh, Han very clearly doesn't want to be there as he's hugging uh, Chewie's family. Um, yep. Then Art Carney comes back. And then this is the part where Chewbacca and his family gather the Dragon Balls and put on their red cult robes and teleport into the mystical white void where they are definitely a cult. And then all yes. of the main heroes from the movie finally are together at the very end. And Carrie Fisher sings. sings. And who let Carrie Fisher sing? <laughs> it's... It's a terrible song. Luke looks we so fucking tired. Today, and then a time of it's peace. so bad. I'm so I love Carrie Fisher. Rest in peace. She can't sing. Like okay. Um, and thus the Wookiee cult presumably sacrificed the humans to their god um, to make their family dinner. And then it ends. And then it has the audacity to end on footage of the original Star Wars. <laughs> As if to say, this is a much better thing you could have been watching, but instead you watched this. We're going to mock you. <laughs> so, Chris, I gather you didn't like this very much. I hated it. I despise, okay. like, this is, like, look, I've seen Star Wars that hasn't been very good, but I have never seen Star Wars that has been this torturously awful. I have never seen this kind <laughs> of putrid, wretched, agonizing agonizing overly drawn out unfunny dreck come out of this franchise and i am sorry but y'all do not get to complain about the new star wars stuff i get to complain about no you don't no you don't none of you do (laughs) the fact that any of you have the audacity to be anything other than grateful that Star Wars now is at the very least basically competent and not this horrible abomination. Like the fact that you have the fact that you are anything other than grateful for that is quite frankly disgusting to me. Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. Be grateful. I disagree. Be grateful <laughs> for what you have because it could <laughs> yeah, always no. be worse. It could always well, be worse. Well, that the is Star true. Wars that is true. Special. But also, um, uh, that doesn't make any of the other things. That doesn't make them good by default. Look, that doesn't make them good by default. I, uh, right. but one, in my opinion, pretty much all of them has been good. But I think, but they've all been at least competent. I cannot uh-huh. say the same uh-huh. for this. Like, uh-huh. and th- just. So you didn't like it. It it took a massive dog shit on something <laughs> I love, and then smeared that shit into every tiny crevice. This is one of the worst films I have ever seen. It's the worst thing we've ever done for for this particular segment. It is absolutely, definitively, without question, the worst thing to come out of this franchise. George Lucas was right to disown it. Fuck this special. Fuck Fuck the Star Wars fans who would make snarky jokes about how it's still better than Rise of Skywalker or some shit. Because no, it's not. And you fucking know it. Who are these people? I, have I don't not met know. Any of these I people. just. I don't know. I just know they. Are you imagining them? I, <laughs> partially, yes. I just feel like knowing the internet, they exist. Knowing the internet, Anyways, they're out there uh, somewhere, and I hate. So, them. Chris, um, do you like uh, which which movie do you prefer, Scream or Star Wars: The Holiday Special? Scream. 
This that's not a sure? question. <laughs> that's not even a debate. Anyway, so did you have any Star final Wars thoughts the hol- on the Star Wars holiday yeah. special after my long so, rant so, about how um, it's terrible? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's mind-meltingly bad. But on the bright side, uh, I think the animated bit is is interesting. I liked seeing uh, the first. But also, Boba you can Fett. watch that. I enjoyed the animation. I mean, but also. I don't know if that's really a point for it because you can just watch that on its own now. That's been official. Well, that segment has been officially released. Do that with any of these clips. Yeah, but, but that know. segment has been, but officially, because that segment has been officially released on Disney Plus. It's the only part of the holiday special that has ever been officially re-released. So you can watch the story of the faithful Wookiee as it is titled. Well, you can't deny that it's part of this, and it wouldn't exist if not for the holiday special. That is true. Anyways, but... so uh, B. Arthur's song in the Maz Eisley Cantina is 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 thankfully and graciously forgettable. Um, <laughs> besides that, uh, the Wookiee family's garbage... Uh, Han looks like he's being forced to do this against his will. Because they were clearly uh, all forced to do this against their will. And that's the other part, is that I've never seen Star Wars be this soulless. I've never seen Star Wars feel this driven by, we just want to make a quick buck on people because, you know, the original movie wasn't in theaters, but it wasn't out on video yet. <laughs> so we just want to take it. So it was just CBS and 20th Century Fox. Hey, Chris. like... Let's... Welcome to being a jaded Star Wars fan. Yeah, but... The... <laughs> That's how we've been feeling for years. Yeah, but nah, I, I disagree with the notion that anything, and I do mean anything Disney has done with the brand, is even I, remotely I close to be to feeling this much like a cash grab. Anyways, like, what we do at no. the end of every Rocket Ship Roulette episode is we spin the RNG. Did, well, did you, I, I feel like you were, I'm sorry, I feel like you. Inter- I was interrupting in the middle of a Final well, Thoughts monologue. Did you have anything else no, to say? No, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. I, we all know it's bad. We don't have to talk about how bad it is. Okay. So anyways, um, I prefer... <laughs> So, at the end of every Rocket Ship Roulette episode, we pick two movies to watch in uh, three weeks. And what we're going to do, and what we always do, is we spin an RNG wheel, and that gives us a number from 1 to 100, which then picks a movie, and Chris has the option to accept it or veto it. Now, if it's a sequel, prequel, or remake, it cannot be vetoed and must be watched. We do this twice, so we end up with two movies, and... uh, the hazard meter, which exists, is basically the amount of movies on the list that, if picked, would be mandatory viewing because they're sequels. So the number of sequels, prequels, <laughs> and remakes on the board right now is 28%, just to give you foreknowledge of the danger. So, Chris, shall we spin the wheel? I believe we shall. All right. That gives us number 49. Number 49 is Reanimator. That's Stuart Gordon's cult classic horror film. It's a body horror. It's fun. It's based off H.P. Lovecraft. Chris, do you want to veto and see if you get a second option? Hmm. Do I want to go with Reanimator or do I want to pick the Chaos Route? Reanimator, hmm. Chaos Route. Reanimator. You know what? Chaos Route. Let's veto. Let's see if we can get it. Okay, we are vetoing. Let's hope this doesn't go back to bite you. <laughs> yeah, hopefully Night of the no. Comet. So, okay. Uh, your op- 
Night of the Comet is a 1980s uh, zombie post-apocalyptic film that is hilarious. Yeah, I've heard you hype up Night of the Comet. (laughs) Yes. So, Chris, Night of the Comet or Reanimator? I kind of want to do Night of the Comet, honestly. I think we should do Night of the Comet. (laughs) All right. Night of the Comet is our first film that we will review. So now let's spin again for the second film. Shall we spin, Chris? All right. Yeah. I don't know why I ask you because I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Number three. Number three is I accuse my parents. <laughs> well, this is shall we shall we veto I accuse my parents? Well, this is something 19- we definitely can veto because this is definitely <laughs> something that warrants the chaos route. <laughs> All right, so you want me to spin again? Yeah. All right, that brings us to number forty-three. Number forty-three is Kroll, the '80s fantasy film that's like two fucking hours. Oh, God. Um. <laughs> Wow, I'm caught between a rock Crow and a hard place here. Or aren't I, I accuse my parents. How long is I accuse my parents? I accuse my parents is blessedly short, sixty-eight minutes. I accuse my parents. <laughs> All right, so in three weeks we will be reviewing Night of the Comet, and I, I accuse, accuse my, my parents. Anyways, Chris, you want to do the outro? Uh, yeah. Well, I do have to tease uh, next week. Um, yes. Uh, so next week, uh, I don't know if you heard, but there's this there's this movie coming out. It's called the uh, it's called the Batman. No. So I the bad man. The, the, no, the Bat Man. He's a man. The bad he dresses man? up like a like a bat. Um, and I don't know if like you know this, but bat? Uh, no, like a like the animal, the bat. Oh. He's a very he's actually a very uh, he's actually a very well known character. Um, like like the 1930s horror film, The Bat. Uh. Maybe, but anyways, <laughs> there's a there's a lot of Batman movies, so we're gonna talk about we're gonna start talking about Batman movies. We're gonna do a little retrospective starting next week when we will be talking about Batman '89 uh, and Batman Returns. So I hope you all look forward to that. Um, so anyways, uh, all right, Brian, did you have anything else to add? I'm, I'm back. back. I'm, I'm the, the IRS, IRS man. man. Oh, God damn it. oh shit, the IRS man's back. <laughs> you want you to want know to why I'm really after, after your ghost, ghost taxes? taxes? Why? Why, why, why are you after, after my ghost, ghost taxes? <laughs> because I am your, your ghost, ghost brother. brother. <gasps> what a twist! Back at the academy, you may remember, you did not land on a grenade, and it blew me up, you see. And that is why I am a ghost. And I worked very hard for the Ghost IRS to get promoted to this position. It actually took a very long time. (laughs) But anyway, I am coming after you for revenge. What are you gonna do? I'm a ghost. You can't kill me. That's true, but I can I can make you go bankrupt. So that is a thing I can do. I can make you go bankrupt. I can't believe capitalism still exists in the afterlife. Jesus Christ. Capitalism came from the afterlife. Because even when we're dead, because even though we're dead, we've all got to make a living. Nobody asked you, Zilgi. But you're right. But but you're right. I love you, Zilgi. Anyways, Chris. Uh, where can they find you on Anyways, social media? Uh, this has been Hipster and the Nerd, and we do this every week. And you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all of your major podcast platforms. So please leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts or other podcast platforms. Uh, subscribe on... Make us bigger than Joe Rogan. Yeah, 
Yes, make us make us make us bigger than than Joe Rogan. Listen so then, here. So then Spotify. Joe. So then Spotify You're will actually. War. So so All that right. way Spotify will kick off Joe Rogan and won't be uh, hosting vaccine misinformation. So Chris, yeah. Chris, this is a statement to Joe Rogan. To Joe Rogan. All right. All right. It's you, and it's me. In the octagon. In the octagon. All right. We will fight Joe Buffer, Rogan, and we will, we will win. Fight because, Joe Rogan, and, and we will win. We because will win. You because why? Joe we Rogan have the is power a of ghosts and space manta rays on our side, and also an incredibly complicated lore. I also don't believe Joe Rogan can throw a punch. Exactly. Like I genuinely yeah. don't believe Joe Rogan is capable of throwing a punch. <laughs> he would just fold in the middle from all the HGH he takes. Yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> um. So, and then start his podcast referencing things that you've never actually heard of and that he's never established. I'm sorry, I listened to one episode. I don't understand how everybody could listen to that shit. <laughs> it's terrible. Which, you know, yeah. Uh, but Why, anyway, where's Chris, our we... multi-million dollar contract, Spotify? <laughs> we got a whole 10 it? plays on the last episode. 10? Oh, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> anyway, it's 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 decent. Um, we, we should, uh, Where we... can they find you, Chris? Anyways. Uh, subscribe on Spotify and uh, uh, vote in the polls and uh, answer the Q and A's and uh, do all that stuff. I'm coming for you, please, Mister uh, Joe. Spread the word on on social media. Share it with all your friends. Hashtag Hipster and the Nerd. Help us grow the show. We very much appreciate it. Um, and I am Chris Hanna, and you can find me at MegaNerd98 on Twitter and on Letterboxd. And you can also find me on my WordPress page, Mega Nerds Musings, home of geeky ramblings and self-indulgent fan fiction. Anyways, Brian, where can they find you? You can find me inside the Space Manta Ray, administering a DNA test on my ghost friend here, Starcock2. Oh god, wait, he's a ghost, I can't do that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Brian Brecker, or you can find me on Letterboxd at bbreck 2 So I guess they might be brothers, I don't know. <laughs> or you can find me inside your hopes... And slash or dreams. All right. I've taken residence. All right. <laughs> All right. Once, and I'm not paying rent. Once again, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, seize the means of Applebee's. And Joe Rogan. <laughs> uh, well, no, yeet Joe Rogan off a cliff. <laughs> we, must in, we must nationalize the Joe Rogan podcast. And uh, by naturalize, Ooh. I mean delete it. <laughs> By naturalize, I mean get rid of it. It's, it's no yeah. good. Um, okay. uh, and uh, and <laughs> and we will see. Watch us somehow get referenced on Joe Rogan. <laughs> I'm gonna at Joe Rogan <laughs> at in Joe my Ro- tweet. At Joe Rogan, and then we'll and then and then we'll suddenly get way. Bigger. Nothing can stop us. Not even you, Anyways. Joe Rogan. Anyways, we're we're see some we're of Applebee's, you, and we will see you next time. Hello? Hello? Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. Uh, I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? I'll do some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. 
It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now, he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Like scary movies. What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act. She's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Hey, what's wrong with this me? Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say I'll be right back. Cause you won't be back. Get another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. He didn't make the rules. The police are always on track, but they watch Palm Night and save time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. Just one more round, friend, then homeward bound, friend, don't forget me in your dreams. Just one more song, friend, and then so long, friend, the nights get shorter, it seems. Just one more rhyme, friend, yes, it's a crime, friend. But you know time, friend, time can fly. So it's good night, friend. Good night, but not goodbye. Just one more drop, friend, before we stop, friend. One more moment, face to face. Next time you're dry, friend, try stopping by, friend, if there's a light in the place. We may not thrive, friend, but we survive, friend. We're alive, friend, you and I. So say good night, friend. <laughs> good night, but not goodbye.
You're such a dear friend. You know I'm here, friend. Is that a dear friend? In your eye. Now it's good night, friend. Good night, but not...